2020 has been quite a year. I'm not going to use the U word that has been worn out this year. So instead, I'll say it's been interesting, unique. (laughs) I'm recording this episode on December 5th, 2020. And as you probably saw, the title of it is Creating in a Crisis. We've experienced and are still experiencing multiple crises this year. And I wanted to talk about what it's been like trying to create during these times, the challenge of that, and three ways to get back to creating if you found it hard to do so. So let's get to it. What's up and welcome to the Creator Good Podcast. My name is Jordan and I am your host. This podcast was created as a way to document my creative journey as I discover what it means to be creative and create for the greater good. Along this journey, I'll be sharing my thoughts and lessons learned relating to creativity, culture, community, faith, and entrepreneurship. And occasionally through conversations, you'll hear the perspectives of other creators, learn about what they're creating and how they're creating for good. As I said, I'm recording this podcast episode in late 2020, so we're just about wrapping up with this year. It's almost over. And as a creative looking back on this year, I will probably remember it as one that both stretched me and challenged me. Like I said earlier, we've been going through multiple crises, and before I talk about them, I want to define the word crisis so we're all on the same page, so we all understand how I'm using the word crisis in this context. And so to do that, I looked it up on Google and the first definition was a time of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. A time of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. And so taking a look at that definition and then looking back on the year that we've had, I think it's easy to say that we've experienced multiple crises this year. And the crises that I've been most aware of are obviously the COVID-19 pandemic that took the world by storm, um, you know, way back in March, it's December now, Um, but also the continuation of racial injustices, which happen worldwide, but I'm specifically talking about within the context of the United States for this. I really found creativity to be challenging at the beginning of the pandemic, or rather when a lot of states were issuing stay-at-home orders and the world was sort of in quarantine. You know, everything seemed to be shut down or locked down or canceled and all all the events were being canceled and um, everything was just done, <laughs> over, didn't happen, was gonna happen, but didn't happen. And at the beginning of the pandemic, specifically in March, um, when we went into quarantine here in the United States and many other places, I began to see this quote circulate around, and I'll read it to you. It says, if you don't come out of this quarantine with new skills, a side hustle started, or more knowledge, you never lack time. You lack discipline. And I gotta be honest, when I first heard this quote, I was like, you know, there's something to say about that. And I think it has some truth to it. But as I let it sit with me even more, I realize that it's also a huge generalization for a time period that none of us have lived through. None of us that are alive right now have lived through a pandemic, maybe a few people. I remember seeing, I think, an Amazon or an Apple commercial about a woman who was about 100 years old who had lived through a pandemic, but that's not most of us. There have definitely been positives to having this extra time, and this is where I felt like, you know, part of the quote 
rang true a bit. It's great to have seen people who, you know, with that time that we had to pause, and some people still have time where they're pausing and are kind of in limbo, um, it's been great to see how businesses have adapted and grown in different ways. It's been great to see different creatives exercise their creativity outside of their normal mediums and also find different ways to present their work where normally they might present it to a crowd of people, but now we're trying to do that same thing virtually or in some other regard. But again, I felt like that quote as a whole was sort of a generalization and didn't regard the people who, you know, did not stop working. Those, especially healthcare workers, who, you know, had to and are still at the the brunt of this pandemic um, deal with that. And those who, you know, are essential workers, who never really got that time to stay at home because they couldn't stay at home, or even those who had to adapt to working at home and staying at home now with kids or with all of their family members, or even those that had to adapt to working and staying at home by themselves and dealing with that loneliness. Those were huge life changes and rapid life changes. Add on to that the murders of Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and other cases that resurface and... That's a lot to take in. And I've been saying really since March that I really don't think that we could have seen the response that we did to Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, those people, particularly George Floyd. I feel like that was probably the most worldwide response that I saw. I don't think that we could have seen those responses outside of a pandemic. I'm not sure that we would have seen the response that we did from people who normally don't talk about those things or don't pay attention to those things or choose to maybe even ignore those things, those, those injustices. I don't think people would have responded in the same way had we not been in quarantine, had we not been staying inside on our cell phones and glued to our screens, you know. Since we've all been glued to our cell phones and glued to our screens, not just for entertainment, and communication purposes, but for information purposes, especially when everyone was quarantined inside and trying to stay up to date with what their state was doing, what their city was doing, what their town was doing, what their relatives and their loved ones and friends were doing. And so in the past, people could kind of look away when videos like George Floyd's or Ahmaud Arbery's kind of came out and they could go back to business as usual. But this time we couldn't. And for me, I found it hard to create as usual. For me, I found it challenging creating in this crisis, particularly as a black woman and as someone who's been working full time. I count it an absolute blessing to have my job still and to still be working and doing something that I enjoy doing. Um, But it has been challenging at times this year, balancing all the different things going on while also trying to focus um, on my work. So I found myself a lot of times having to parse apart what it means to be a creative in this moment. I ask myself a lot, how do I express my creativity and how should I express my creativity? What are productive ways to express my creativity in this time? What does creativity look like? You know, what does it look like for me as a black woman who is also creative to respond to the injustices that I'm seeing in the world that affect people that look like me? You know, I said earlier, I said earlier that in the past people could kind of look away and go back to business as usual. And for black folks, I think it's never really been the case to go back to quote unquote business as usual, but rather to set 
maybe things in uh, the weight of things that you're you're feeling aside so that you can continue on and continue doing you know your day-to-day work continue caring for your family um, and continue doing these things without falling apart (laughs) or you know work without breaking into tears because it could be a lot to take in and a lot to carry and this time I felt like I couldn't really escape you know I don't do social media as my job my job is still in a sense social media related you know as a video producer I do pay attention to how other people are creating videos Um, I work for an educational institution and so I have to pay attention to how other educational institutions are using video. And so I'd I'd find myself going onto social media for work-related things and then being drawn into all of the things that are going on in the world that take a lot of emotional energy. And (laughs) it was hard. It was hard to separate at times my, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, do what I have to do and set this aside for a moment, it was hard to do that because, again, we were glued to our phones and our work was all on the computer. And so in a sense, I kind of felt like my word, my worlds began to collide where before I could have something impact me and I could choose to process it at home instead of having to um, have that those feelings come up at work. But when you're working from home, it kind of, you know, you can't really do that as well. So when it comes to thinking about what creativity looks like, particularly in times of struggle or crisis, intense struggle or crisis, I always think about the Harlem Renaissance. So for those of you who don't know, the Harlem Renaissance, and this is coming from history.com, The Harlem Renaissance was the development of the Harlem neighborhood in New York City as a black cultural mecca in the early 20th century and the subsequent social and artistic explosion that resulted. Lasting roughly from the 1910s through the mid-1930s, the period is considered a golden age in African-American culture, manifesting in literature, music, stage performance, and art. Did you get all that? So, you know, I'm, as a black artist, the Harlem Renaissance has always drawn me in. I mean, the art that came out of it was absolutely fantastic. You have the poetry of Langston Hughes, which is one of my favorite poets, authors like Zora Neale Hurston, performances of jazz musicians and iconic dances and performances from people like the Nicholas Brothers and so many more people. Typically when you learn about the Harlem Renaissance in school, or if, if you even learn about the Harlem Renaissance in school, It's not always mentioned that this social and artistic explosion happened during a rough time, like a really bad time (laughs) in history. Like you have this amazing art, this um, these amazing creations coming out of an incredibly difficult time for black Americans. So the Harlem Renaissance started around the 1910s, and in 1916 is when the Great Migration started. And the Great Migration is this movement of millions and millions and millions of African Americans out of the rural South to north parts of the United States, um, northeast, midwest, and west between 1916 and 1970. But it started in 1916. And these millions of black people were not just moving because of fun and because they wanted to experience the winter. They were moving and leaving the South ahead of lynch mobs. There's a great book about the Great Migration called The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson. It's amazing. And in it, she describes how oftentimes people would leave in the middle of the night and leave absolutely no trace 
wouldn't say goodbye to their neighbors, wouldn't say goodbye to even sometimes family members or people that they dearly loved because it wasn't safe for them to do so. And, you know, lynch mob might be after them. And so they just had to leave when they could. They had to take as much as they could, carry on their person with them. But oftentimes they left a lot of things behind. So I I look at the Harlem Renaissance era and I wonder to myself, how did they do it? How did they create in such a crisis? And so reflecting on this year myself and by listening to and talking to other creatives and watching other creatives, I've come to three ways um, that we can continue to create even though we might be experiencing a crisis. And I'm gonna call them the three R's. Because what I've been learning this year is that in order to continue to create in a crisis, you have to allow yourself to give room to do three different things. The first is room to react. So what I mean by react is your knee-jerk emotion or your knee-jerk experience, whatever comes out first. So oftentimes when you're experiencing crises or times of intense difficulty and challenges, your reaction may not feel that great. You might feel fear, you might feel uh, anger, you might feel nervous, you might feel a lot of stress. Whatever that reaction is, give yourself permission to feel what you're feeling. You have feelings for a reason. You know, they're not just meant to be ignored. And there's a quote from a book called Boundaries about feelings, and I'll read it for you a second. It says, feelings should neither be ignored nor placed in charge. Feelings come from your heart and can tell you the state of your relationships. They can tell you if things are going well or if there is a problem. If you feel close and loving, things are probably going well. If you feel angry, you have a problem that needs to be addressed. So allow yourself to experience whatever your knee-jerk reaction is. I think for a lot of people, this year has brought about, the crises of this year have brought about sorrow and grief and pain. And you're allowed to feel the sorrow. You're allowed to acknowledge and say, hey, this really sucks. This is, yeah, this isn't great. You're allowed to do that. If that's how you feel, you can acknowledge that. Um, But you don't have to put those feelings in charge. You don't have to stay in those feelings. And just as much as it's important to acknowledge, whether that be sorrow or pain or grief, it's also important to acknowledge the good feelings like joy. In the thick of the quarantine, especially when we got to that time where, you know, it was past like us thinking like, oh, this is only going to be like a few days and then we'll go back to work in like April (laughs) when things were like, okay, um, I'm not sure when we're going, are we going to go back fall? I don't know. In that time. And again, we're also dealing with racial injustices that are being intentions and tensions that are, you know, um, heightening. During that time, I had to acknowledge that I was feeling overwhelmed and I I was feeling grief. I was grieving and I was feeling sorrow, but I also had to hold on to joy. And at times I felt a bit guilty almost when I would feel happy because I'm like, there's so much that's terrible going on right now. And I, I didn't even, you know, want to publicly express necessarily joy. But it's so important to hold on to that. It's so important to be able to find moments of joy. So react. If you if you have it, if you can express it, express it. I remember finding on Instagram a carousel post of, it was just literally a thread of black people laughing. 
And it was the most glorious thing in the world. There wasn't really much context of what people were laughing about. It was just so beautiful to see. And, you know, I think a lot of times we laugh to keep from crying. I think this year has taught me that I can hold both joy and pain in the same hands. And one doesn't cancel out the other. One sometimes can feel greater than the other, but it is possible to feel both at the same time. The second thing to give room for is room to rest. And rest can look different for everyone. You know, I think about kids when they've been through some sort of emotional release. Like if a kid has been crying for whatever reason a lot, or if, you know, something has upset them and, you know, they're frustrated. You know, I remember back from when I used to nanny and take care of little kids. And oftentimes after those emotional releases, let me tell you, nap time hit different. (laughs) Nap time hit different after, you know, a kid had like an emotional release or, you know, they had been crying or, you know, were, you know, tired or something like that. After an emotional release, kids sleep well. That's something I've learned. Maybe, I don't know if it's true for every kid, but from the kids that I I spent time with, after an emotional release of some sort or something upsetting or when they were super tired, they slept really well. And so after you've had that reaction, it's important to find time to rest. I think our bodies require that. For me, that rest has looked like being okay with not creating. Since my full-time job is a creative one, I tend to expend a lot of creative energy just doing my job, just working my nine to five. And so that can make it hard to expend more creative energy after work, even though I might feel this tug and pull to do so. Even though I might feel like, ah, you know, I wanna use you know, my creative skills to respond to this moment. It can be hard to do that if you've been giving away that creative energy all day. But there is sort of a balance. Another thing that I've learned this year is that your rest can be a form of fighting. Your rest can be a form of resisting the crisis that you're in. Taking time to recharge and take care of your body helps to fight disease. Oftentimes, when it comes to different illnesses, you know, it's recommended that you take time to recharge because that helps your body to fight off sickness. And for some of us, this pandemic has forced us to rest. Going back to that quote at the beginning, you know, when we were put into quarantine, Some of us needed that time to rest because we've been going hard for a good minute. We literally needed the world to stop us, especially in, you know, grind culture, hustle culture that we have now. Particularly for Black creators, I think it's beautiful to react and reflect, but also necessary for us to rest. I I liken it to not throwing away your paintbrush, but just setting it down for a moment. If we work nonstop, if we're quote-unquote productive, nonstop, that can contribute to our demise. You know, stress kills. That's no joke. Cortisol is a real thing. And if you have too much of it, that's not, that's not good. And I've learned that oftentimes this part is a lot slower, or it can feel like you're more so wading through this part. Um, Whereas, you know, with reacting, that's knee jerk. But with reflecting, kind of wading through what you're going through, you're processing, and that can take some time. For me, it was helpful to do this part with other people. I was fortunate to be able to get on Zoom calls with other creatives and get to hear what it's been like for them to create during crisis, to create during this time, and also with other Black women and get to hear how they've been experiencing this time. 
So whether you do it by yourself in a journal or you do it with other people, it's also important to make room to reflect and know that this part might take a bit longer and that's okay, it's okay. So once you've created room to react, you've created room to rest, and you've created room to reflect, I think it's a good time to create. And again, this is, you might create at any of those stages, but if you're finding it hard to start creating, I think once you go through each of those things, it'll be a little bit easier. For me, I started creating again by drawing. I drew a lot and I never posted them. If you remember from the first episode, I said that drawing was kind of my first way of visual storytelling. It was one of my first ways to creatively express myself. And so I kind of got back to that, not just because it was something that I once loved to do, but also because it's analog. I picked up, I didn't have Procreate, I don't have an iPad. Those are awesome and cool. But for me, I wanted to find something that was not digital because I was so tired of looking at my phone. I was so tired of looking at a screen. I could just pick up a pencil, my sketchbook, and just draw random doodles and random things. And, and that was such a great release for me because it was low cost, it was low effort, and there was no pressure. The other way I created was by creating videos. Of course, since I'm a video producer for work, I created videos this year, but it was also important to me to make time to create videos, or in this case, a video that reflected what I was experiencing and to kind of honor the moment that I was in and respond in a way to what was going on in the world. And so I had this awesome opportunity to record um, a photo shoot that happens in Des Moines, Iowa that's put on by a local photographer and it's called the Black Women's Empowerment Shoot and it's just this awesome event that brings together black women from all over Iowa um, and gives them the opportunity to um, be honored by having their photo taken. This year's photo shoot was Wakanda themed and with the passing of Chadwick Boseman having created that video and edited that video even though I had done that before it just made it feel even more special. Um, and what I loved about making this video, I just I just essentially showed up to the shoot and captured what was happening and kind of showed like behind the scenes a bit and just the experience of what that photo shoot is like. And it was just beautiful to see black women in the same room encouraging each other, honoring each other, laughing together, sharing and swapping stories. It was just, it was something that I needed and I'm glad that I was able to create. So those are three ways that have helped me to find my way back to creating during these times of crisis or intense difficulty. You know, even in the most challenging of times, I think it's important to find a way to create because in reality, creating can be a way that you react. Creating can be a way that you rest and creating can be a way that you reflect. And if no one ever told you this before, know that any, really anytime you create, but particularly in times like this, you can create something and keep it just for yourself. You don't have to share it on Instagram. You don't have to throw it up on Etsy for people to buy. It can just be for you, your reaction or emotional release for your rest and for your reflection. Of course, it's okay to share and sell your artwork and your creations, but disregard the pressure that makes you feel like you have to. Do it when you want to. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I felt that pressure and it kind of goes back to that interesting quote, of feeling like I had to prove my productivity during quarantine, even though I was very much still creating for work. And eventually I just got to that point of creating for myself by drawing in my sketchbook, like I mentioned earlier. 
And I kind of found sort of a counter quote to the one that I said at the beginning. And it goes like this. If you don't come out of this quarantine with a new skill, your side hustle started, or more knowledge gained, then you are doing just fine. We are going through a collective traumatic experience. Not everyone has the privilege of turning a pandemic into something fun or productive. And personally for me, I am praising God to come out of this year in good health and for so many other things that I've been blessed with. I want to give another definition of crisis, and this is from Merriam-Webster. And that definition is the turning point for better or worse in an acute disease or fever. This year has been tough and we've had to face a lot. There's been the disease of COVID-19 and there's also been intense dis-ease and death because of racial injustices and tensions. Not to mention it was also a very polarizing election year for the United States. With all that said though, I hope this year still serves as a turning point in history, not for the worse, but for the better. And I know creatives have and will continue to play a role in that outcome being better. So give yourself room to react, rest, reflect, and then pick up your brush. All right, so before this episode comes to a close, I want to end with a segment called Tell Me Something Good. Tell Me Something Good is a segment at the end of each episode where either I or a guest, if we have one on, will share something they've seen, created, or heard about that they think is doing good in the world. And this is the first one. Here we go. So today's is really just a shout out to some creators that have blessed my soul throughout this year. I may have found it difficult to create at times, but I found the work, the creative work of these people to be inspiring, relatable, like a soothing balm, or a gut bust laugh inducing, or even all the above. The full list will be included in the show notes, but I'd say my top three would be Evelyn from the Internets, Dr. Anita Phillips, and Jocelyn Chung, also known as Joss Kitty Llama on Instagram. So if you do not know who Evelyn from the Internets is, let me tell you, you are in for a treat. Evelyn from the Internets is one of those people I would love to be best friends with because I feel like she gets me. Um, but for real though, the way that she communicates is so honest, is just relatable, it's relaxing, it's comical, and it's, it just kind of warms your soul. Also, her brother is an amazing video editor, and I really appreciate the effort that goes into the videos um, that she creates and puts on her channels. But at the same time, you know, while I can see that there's a ton of effort put into them, it looks almost effortless in a way, and it looks authentic to her. So I really appreciate that. Then you have Dr. Anita Phillips, who you can find on Instagram, but she also has a podcast called In the Light with Dr. Anita Phillips. And Dr. Anita is a therapist. She has definitely, I think, used social media more in this past year and um, sharing tips and talking with different people on mental health, particularly in the Black community, but also for anyone experiencing the traumas of this year. Um, and experiencing the stress of this year. And her podcast covers so many different topics, whether it's from loneliness or um, engaging with community or having difficult discussions with your communities. 
And you might be thinking, well, therapist, that's not really a creative. But I think the way that she chooses to communicate her work and the way that she speaks is very creative and very intentional. So I really appreciated listening to her podcast this year and absorbing all the content that she puts out. And the third person is Jocelyn Chung, um, who I just kind of happened to come across on Instagram, you know, especially when a lot of people were posting carousels and different um, posts on Instagram related to uh, racial justice and different things like that. She's a lettering artist, and what I found to be really cool about her artwork is that, you know, it's it's words on a page, but written beautifully. Um, but really, you can see through it just authentic allyship and really standing in solidarity um, with community, with the community that she isn't a part of. You know, she's Asian American, but she did make... Um, different pieces uh, kind of standing in solidarity with the black community during this year and continues to and you know with other issues as well and you know talks a lot about and shares you know tips of you know taking care of yourself during this time and does just does so in a really easily consumable and sort of comforting um, way through her lettering so I really appreciated that like I said, though, those are just three of the creators that have blessed my soul throughout this year. The full list will be in the show notes, so be sure to check those folks out, too. And if there are creators that you really enjoyed this year, let me know about them on Instagram. Tag me or send me their information or comment on a post that I'll probably have. And with that, we've come to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for joining and tuning in. The best way to continue on with me in this creator good journey is to subscribe and leave a rating and review so others can join us too. If you want to stay up to date with everything creator good or share your thoughts on this episode, follow the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at creator good pod, creator good pod. To connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Jordan, J-O-R-D-Y-N dot creates and Twitter at Jordan creates no period. And that's it for now. Till next time. I forgot to mention, and I'm not exactly proud of this, but I, I another way that I found myself creating this year um, was by making TikToks. I'm not going to share my TikTok, but that was also a fun creative release and a way to just kind of create fun videos. So if you're on TikTok or if you've been on TikTok, you'll know where that little jingle song was. All right. Bye.